0: Welcome to the Wizard of Whiskey podcast, the podcast dedicated to the hedonist lifestyle. I have a very special guest today from Mercer Estates, um, Jessica Munell. She is the uh, winemaker at uh, at Mercer. How are you today, Jessica?
1: Hi, Jessica. I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me on the show.
0: Um, you are very welcome. And I appreciate you sending me a um, metric ton of of wine to drink today. So this is going to be it's going to be fun. That's Not for good. my liver, but but for the listeners, for sure, it's going to be fun. Absolutely. Um, so, um, tell us a little bit about uh, Mercer. You guys are up in uh, Washington State, which I understand makes some pretty good wine.
1: That's right, um, Washington State. Um, we're growing a lot of really uh, amazing vineyards that turn into some pretty fantastic wines. Um, our, our vineyards are all in the Horse Heaven Hills. The Mercers have a pretty unique story. Uh, they're all it's a family owned winery. And they're in their fifth generation on the same ground. They um, homesteaded in, in the Horse Heaven Hills in the late 1800s. And so they they're farmers. They they switched from running cattle and sheep to growing carrots and potatoes and other agricultural crops in the 60s. And in 1972, they actually planted the first wine grapes in the Horse Heaven Hills AVA. Uh, so since then, the family has kind of dabbled in winemaking um, a, a little bit, but continued to grow the vineyards. Um, growing grapes for other wineries and in 2006 started building the, the winery that we're in today um just wanted to make the leap from from just growing grapes to you know, to making the wine as well and so we're all state grown and um again on the horse heaven hills and which is one of the best AVAs in washington state um for, for the grape quality
0: Fantastic. Um let's um let's jump right in. I've got the the rose in um in my glass. Um
1: and I do as well.
0: <laughs> fantastic. That's that's great. Um let's um tell me a little bit about the, the fifteen rose.
1: Okay, so this this is um made from Grenache. It's from our spice cabinet vineyard, which is um Again, Seven Hills, a uh, state vineyard. The reason why we called it, our, uh, named it Spice Cabinet is because we have everything from Grenache and Mouved and Saint-Saud to Petit, Verdot, and Malbec planted there. So it's kind of our spice cabinet to play with um, at, in the winery. And we have this one younger block of Grenache that um, once, once it was in production, we decided instead of trying to manage the crop level for making a red wine um, – We wanted wanted to start making rosé on a large scale, and so we left the fruit hanging a little heavy. So we got some, you know, kind of slows down ripening. We have, you know, some colors clusters that have colored up and are pink and red, and some that still have some green berries when we go in and harvest for rosé. So we machine harvest this fruit. You know, the the bricks are about 22 bricks. Um, The pH is nice and low. Acidity is still really high. Machine harvest it so we get the skins to break up, and in, you know, in the truck on the short trip to the winery we get some nice extraction of the color from the skin, so when the fruit arrives, we just have really be- beautiful pink juice already, so we let all the, the free-run juice um, drain off from the grapes, and then the rest, of it, all the all the fruit goes into our press, and we just close the press up and let it sit overnight um, to continue the color extraction, and, and then we start pressing, which basically we're just you know, trying to press the free-run juice away from the grapes, and I just stand next to the press and taste as, the, as we're increasing pressure. I just am tasting, not necessarily looking at color, but just waiting for the slightest hint of tannic um, astringency in the juice, and at that point we cut the press off. So after that, we, we uh, cold settle the juice, wrap it off clean, and then ferment really cool and slow for about a month. And let this, nice. we let this one go completely dry. So it's bone dry and 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 um lower alcohol we were able to get the the fruit off the vines at a really nice um you know balanced sugar level we were probably 21 and a half bricks and bright acidity so we just let it go completely dry
0: um i am a big fan of of rosé um I, I don't think it gets the respect that it deserves um with with a lot of grapes in my opinion but uh this one is it's quite fantastic. It's it's lush but not too lush. It's fruit forward. Um it's got you know, some very fresh, bright um <coughs> sorry. Um um strawberry and um just a tiny little bit of, of, of lychee, but it's um it's very nice. I, I definitely recommend um picking up a picking up a bottle. It's um
1: I think it's a rose certainly has um, been gaining popularity again there seems to, at least um, in a lot of Washington wineries is that everyone's making a rose these days and um I feel like you know our rose is it's a luxury getting to make it the way we do because we actually have you know one block from one vineyard that's des- the fruit's designated for this wine so we farm the fruit from the beginning knowing that it's going to make our rose so I mean you know we're, we're it's not an afterthought. It's not, you know, what do we, oh, we have all this extra pink juice, or what do we do with, you know, it's, it's a it's a rosé made with intent, um, which I don't think a lot of people get that luxury. Um, so I feel feel so fortunate that so we get to to you know plan for it from the beginning, and so we you know we get to, belt to pick the fruit when when it's the chemistry's right, and so we get to make this rosé that has really bright acidity and doesn't have any of that red wine
0: character that contenders, you can, you know, sometimes get in rosés. I, um, it, it, and it shows that it's made with intent. It shows that you made it on purpose as opposed to, you know, oh, it's an afterthought, let's just, you know, throw some rosé together and, and get it out. Um, <clears throat> it, it, it's clear in this because there, there are a lot of rosés out there that are, um, that they, they go for the, for the combo between dry and, 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 um, RS, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> but this one is it's crisp, it's clean, it's it's um it's really damn good. I strongly recommend um
1: <laughs>
0: summertime drinking um this rosé. Yeah, the, the
1: good news is it's it's like 12% alcohol, so you can drink a bottle yeah. easily. <laughs> yeah.
0: Totally. Yeah, that's 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 doable. Um absolutely. Um <clears throat> all right. So um we are going to move on, I guess, to um, what is commonly referred to as Vignier. Um It's actually pronounced Vignier for those um, uh, for those who don't know. But uh, so, tell us a little bit about the uh, the Vignier.
1: Certainly. Well, we we had um, a block of Vignes that we were growing for another winery, and I had asked for a few rows of Vignes just to just um, use as a complement with some Syrah. And so the uh, the winery that was getting the fruit said, yeah, sure, but, you know, we're not going to give you a few rows. You, you can have the whole block. And so all of a sudden I had Vionier fruit to actually make wine with um, as well. So this started in 2012, and uh, it's slowly slowly grown for us to the point where I um, was able to purchase a clay amphora. So this Vionier, the 15 and the 14, were both fermented in a clay amphora pot, um, which is um, – a big clay terracotta pot, it's about 800 liters on roughly 200 gallons. Um, it's deeply veed at the bottom. It looks like a big topiary it should be growing up top. Um, but it's so that deep vee at the bottom, what, what happens is, you know, during most white fermentations, there's not a lot of action, you don't there's no movement of the wine. The yeast is just doing its thing, but because of the, just the shape of the pot, we actually, during fermentation, you pull off the lid and you see the surface of the viognier rolling. So just the fermentation kinetics and the shape of the pot allows for some sterly mixing during fermentation. So the, the minerality from the terracotta of the clay and then the sterly mixing during fermentation creates a viognier with great creamy mouthfeel, but these really bright uh, aromatics. And, and then the minerality, I think, that you know probably exists from the vineyard, but also contributes contributed by the clay for as well, makes for a more interesting guionier. So this doesn't see any oak, um, and it's, again, fermented completely dry. Wow,
0: I am getting... I'm definitely getting hints of white wine. It's very, it's very nice. Um... <laughs> Most people—that's the problem with this show—is it's a podcast, so most people can't tell that I'm being a smartass. But it's—it's um, um, <clears throat> it's really clean. It's incredibly crisp and dry. Um, it has very nice um, acidity. It—it's—it's it's textbook Viognier. I mean, it's—I—I um, I just kind of want—I kind of want some baked brie. <laughs> To go with this. I mean, and maybe some some Lardon, um just to kind of cut through the the acid. It's 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 bright and it's incredibly, you know, it's really nice. A little bit of herbaceousness. Um, wow, it's really good.
1: I'm glad you enjoy it. It's one of those fun wines, you know, just kind of came about because of this, you know, needing some viognier for a co-fermentation project, and and then getting to make make actual. And then now having a vessel dedicated to this wine has been you know, it's those those are the fun things that um you know, kind of inspire us and, and keep us interested, right?
0: Absolutely. Um and I uh I love the the return slash the new kind of modern um is experimenting with that fermentation. There's a, there's a winery up in New York that's doing um they're doing um a a horizontal of wines, um, all Chenin blanc, but they 're doing one in oak, one in steel, and one in concrete yeah, um, neat. just to show people that it 's the same grape, same vineyard, same everything, just the fermentation is is different, and so that gives it different complexities um, and I think the the clay pot on this kind of gives it um, <clears throat> almost a um <clears throat> Not quite diacetolic, I'm not really sure what the uh, what the actual word is, I and mean, what the actual chemical is, but uh, it, it just gives it this very kind of rounded off mouthfeel, um, where the acidity kind of binds together, and it doesn't give you, you know, super astringent, but it gives you something that's really lush.
1: Sure. Yeah, that, I, I was able to um, play around, you know, we, we had enough fruit that we had, um, some that was fermented traditionally in the stainless steel tank, and some in some neutral oak barrels, and... I felt like the clay pot took the best of both worlds in terms of, you know, comparing the stainless steel and fermenting in a neutral oak. Cause it, even though the oak was neutral, it kind of dumbed down the aromatics. You lose a lot, a lot of the cantaloupe and the bright, the jasmine and orange blossom and um, right. the stainless steel, the aromatics were bright and fresh, but the mouth had a little edge to it. And so the clay pot to me was great aromatics, round, creamy mouthfeel like you would get in a barrel fermentation. And so it was just a, yeah, it's a lovely marriage of the two. So the clay pots and concrete eggs and all those uh, vessels are, are just really cool ways of people to, you know, being able to really express the terroir of a vineyard because there's not much interference, you know, happening with, with what's going on with the fermentation. So.
0: Yeah, I um I also love when, when winemakers kind of geek out on, on their fermentation Um so so well done. Um Thank you. so I'm drinking I guess we're doing the um the Mercer um uh, Mercer Canyons, uh Columbia Valley Chardonnay.
1: Yes. And so the maybe I can take a moment to maybe explain our, our we we make three different tiers of wines at Mercer State. Yes. Starting with reserves which will taste a few of those, um, and then our Mercer states is our core line, and we have a third tier called Mercer Canyons, and we do two reds and two whites in that tier. And for this um, tier of wines, what, what I'm thinking of is uh, the person that's maybe just getting into drinking wine or just graduating from whites to reds, so more fruit-forward, approachable, friendly style is you know, when we're putting the blends together. That's who, I'm, who I have in mind. Um, from, so for each, we do a Chardonnay, a Riesling, a Cabernet Sauvignon, and a red blend. So all, and we're tasting actually, I think all four of them in our lineup today. Um, and so you'll ho- hopefully see that as you taste through them. So for the Chardonnay, um, it's, to me, it needs to have, you know, have some nice fruit, a little obvious oak, and and we do have it go through not 100% malolactic, but about um, on this one, I think we were around maybe 50% malolactic. Um, to get the you know more uh, creamy mouthfeel, so it's it's a little richer and fuller. Maybe what people think of is what they expect in a chardonnay.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I um <clears throat> I meant to 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 ask about that the um the tears. Um, so that's no, that's awesome. I'm uh, I'm excited to taste this. Um, <clears throat> also a big chardonnay fan. I I tend to be although. I tend to be objective when it comes to, to my wine and, and, and beer and spirits just because I spend so much time tasting it. and um, There aren't too many out there that I, I just outright hate. Um, <laughs> but there are some, so be careful, America and the world. Um, there are some wines that I do hate. Um, I'm not going to tell you what they are, but... Uh, <laughs> um, screaming eagle. you. <clears throat> anyway. Um, okay, so, so Chardonnay is one of those, again, that kind of lost uh, respect um um lost its street cred I guess back in the, the late nineties it was a there was a huge craze. Um and uh it it kind of it went through this phase where it just got over diacetol. It got over buttered and, and, and over oaked and people were like, No, I'm over it and so the Burgundian styles really came back um um in the in the mid two thousands. Um
1: yeah, and we, we make – so we do a Chardonnay at each of our tiers, at each of the three tiers. So this one's the more, probably the more of the – the closest to the California style that we make. And then our Estates is very Burgundian. And, and the Reserve is kind of – it's Burgundian, but a little um, – you know, it's it's all French. oak. we'll taste that. I probably shouldn't get ahead of myself. But there, there are three distinct styles for sure, which is fun to be able to make that many, you know, Chardonnays. They're <laughs> um, so different. Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, so with this one, I am getting a tiny bit of oak. Um, I'm getting just a hint of diacetol. I'm getting just a hint of, um, you know, some baked stone fruit. Definitely. Um, it's really nice. I mean, the mouthfeel is, is again, it's very clean. It's very lush. Um, it really has um, – it's incredibly well balanced. I, I – I'm not getting this incredibly sharp astringent you know acidity i'm i'm just I'm tasting the finish and it's it's very clean and it just kind of layers you with a little bit of honeysuckle and um and then it kind of moves away um, so so well done
1: yeah, thank you That's, it's, we, this fruit we have three different vineyards that makes up this um, blend for us in in we're like in from three different AVAs. The, the main one being the Horse Seven Hills, and then we have an old uh, Chardonnay vineyard in Columbia Valley, and then a young vineyard in the Yakima Valley. So each brings a you know different um, component. Definitely, we get some more pineapple from the older vineyard, and, and the young vineyard brings a lot of really bright, fresh fruit. Um, and then the the Horse Heaven Hills tends to be more of the like orchard fruit. So it, I, I think. Put them all together, and and, the, and it's a lovely har- harmony between all three vineyards.
0: So I'm tasting the the reserve. Okay. Um, wow, it's it's super balanced. It's it's very laid back. It's I mean, it takes me back to. I mean, it's taking me back to, like, Corton Charlemagne. I mean, it's really.
1: Well, this is, um, our reserves are very small production, only 200 cases. So this was about nine barrels total. And so out of the nine barrels, all French oak, and about about half would be new French oak. And then of those nine barrels, um, only three were inoculated from our lactic. So we really restrained the ML, really trying to keep the bright, Fresh acidity on the finish, um, but then you have—we're we, doing stirly, hand stirring of the of the barrel throughout the aging. Um, so you know, kind of help to contribute to the the creamy mouthfeel without getting the diacetyl. I'm
0: I'm I'm taken aback by this. This is, like I said, it's taken me back to, um, to some really just bright and fresh. Um, Burgundian style um, you know shards
1: great love hearing that
0: yeah, really nice um great acidity um, <clears throat> kind of laid back stone fruit, a little bit of um, tiny little bit of citrus, just like a little tangerine um, I'm actually getting just a little herbaceousness, something like um I don't know like heather. Um, and then, yeah, just a, I mean, just a tiny, tiny bit, I guess, of, of green apple. But other than that, it's, I mean, well done. I almost don't want to spell it, but my liver ha- makes me, um, <laughs> yeah. so, so, um, I do. I have, um, I'm looking at my desk and it's just not pretty. Um, as far as um, people assuming I'm an alcoholic, um, so so the Riesling, um, yeah. let's uh, let's do this because um, Yakima Valley does um, does some pretty amazing Rieslings. I mean, they've been doing it for a while, haven't they?
1: Yeah. So the Yakima Valley is, you know, talking about Washington, um, the east side of the state where where wine country is. We get very very hot. It's very dry. It's a desert. No problem ripening grapes. So when we speak about the different ABAs, um Yakima Valley is a little bit you – know, is maybe the cooler – one of the cooler regions, but still, you know, cooler meaning you know, a few degrees. still It's still going to be um, upper 90s, over 100 in the summer. Um, but we're able to grow – because it's a little heavier soil, we're able to, to grow a bit bigger canopy. So I mean, it's a little more suited to those aromatic white varietals like Riesling. And because, because it's like slightly cooler um, temperatures, heavier soils, and the riesling out of the Yakima Valley are just um, have been phenomenal. Um, it's definitely the, where, where they should be grown. And and um, the reason why ours is out of the Yakima Valley and not the Horse Heaven Hills is um, the Mercers are good friends with the Hoag family, and the Hoags are no longer owning Hoag Winery in Washington State, but they still um, have quite a few vineyards. And two of the vineyards um, that they grow in in the Yakima Valley, we get our our Riesling from. And so this wine is um, Brooks Vineyard and Spring Creek Vineyard. They're probably three miles apart, and they're night and day as far as the the characteristics from the vineyards. The Spring Creek Vineyard is very linear, um, very lemon-lime zest, minerality, flintiness, um, just clean Straightforward. And the Brooks is like white peach and honeysuckle um, and just a big bowl of fruit in your face. So we make two different raislings, and the way we do have two different style raislings is in blending those two vineyards at different ratios, essentially. Um, and because this is our Mercer Canyons raisling and we want it to be more fruit-forward and friendly and approachable, it's about 70% of Brooks' vineyard, which is that white peach honeysuckle, um tropical fruit site and then about thirty percent um of the the fruit from Spring Creek, which is the more linear, straightforward. So we have a nice balance but it's, you're getting more fruit in the nose essentially. And that's and if we had the two side by side it'd be it'd be great for you to, to see those and how different they are just by changing the, the blend a little.
0: What I'm what I'm getting on the nose is this pretty interesting little funk and I love that when I get um when I get funk on the nose from, from Riesling and then I, I taste it and it's just um it's just bright and it's just acidic and it's just um fantastic. This is Washington Riesling at its at its best. It's it's clean, it has, you know, like you said, it has um some white fruit, it's got the honeysuckle in there. Um little bit of green apple, it's got um, a decent amount of acidity, but <clears throat> the acidity doesn't take over. It doesn't it doesn't overpower. It actually has a very lush kind of um bright and yet subdued um mouthfeel on the finish and it just kind of fades away um, into uh and there's a few tropical notes, um you know, something like a guava or a babaya.
1: Yeah. Yeah um we, because, you know, we, in Washington, we, like I so we, we do get very, very hot in the summer. Um, but because we're so far north in and, and the desert climate, we get um, these long days, you know, hot days, but then really cool nights. So we can go from 90, 95 degrees, even hotter during the, the day, and it, the temperature can swing down to 60 degrees. So we can have a 30 to 40 degree temperature shift at night. Um, which allows all these uh, aromatic whites to really retain, and, and the reds as well, all of the grapes um, retain their natural acidity. So we get some really ripe fruit, with that still has really bright acidity. Making, you know, I think in general you can say Washington wines tend to be very balanced because of that. Very
0: cool. <laughs> very cool. Um, well. That is the end of, of part one. Uh, Jessica and I are going to take breathers. We're going to do some liver exercises, which I totally made up. Um, and then we're going to come back and we're going to taste the reds, which you guys are going to hear in uh, episode two. Um, so thank you very much, uh, Jessica, and uh, we look forward to, uh, to talking to you again where we taste through the reds. Great.
1: Thank you, Jessica. It's been a pleasure.